I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. And you're listening to Two Average Girls. Is it Man Crush Monday? It might be. <laughs> but you can't have a man crush on him. Okay. That would be weird. No, I don't mean to be weird. It's not weird. Because we're interviewing my son today. That's right. One of the most interesting men in the world. <laughs> He's making a face. It's hard to be interviewed by your mom, isn't it? Welcome, Cameron Owens. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. We're glad to, that you're joining us here on Two Average Girls today. Um, so for the folks at home who don't know about you, I'm going to give you a little bit of a bio on Cameron, and then he's going to sort of fill in the rest. Cameron is in, currently in his early 20s. He's um, a student at Brigham Young University, has been for a few years, um, native to Orange County. Yes, he is. Born and bred. Um, born at Hogue Hospital in Newport Beach. Oh, the pride of Newport Beach. <laughs> I wouldn't consider myself the pride. <laughs> oh, don't be modest. <laughs> come on now. A lot worse than you have come out of Newport Beach. <laughs> uh, but the reason we have Cameron here today is because Cameron has had an interesting experience. He served at two-year mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in, of all places, St. Petersburg, Russia. Now, for those folks who don't know what it means to, to serve a mission, um, give us a little outline, just what is like broad strokes in a sentence or two? Why, why does a 19-year-old young man serve a mission for the Mormon church? Well, before you start, let's just get it out there. You didn't have to do this. No, it, I did not. A lot of people think that Mormons make their kids go on missions. Yeah. No, I, I, this decision to serve a two-year mission was completely my decision. Um, a lot of people sometimes thought that I did it because my parents served or whatnot, and I knew people that served, but it was completely my decision because it's a big deal to leave your home, leave your family, leave your friends, leave your school, um, and go to a foreign land and, and try to help people. And so um, it's a completely on a voluntary basis, and um, I don't you don't get a dime for it. In fact, you actually pay to be there. <laughs> yeah, you so. do. You do, yes. Uh, the families pay, the church can help pay, friends, relatives can can chip in and help pay, but it is, it's a service mission. And I think a lot of people might have the misconception that it's, um, you know, the OG missionaries were two dudes in white shirts on a bike knocking doors and asking if, you know, they people would like to hear more about heaven or, you know, Jesus Christ or something like that. It's evolved. Uh, the the mission service has, has evolved greatly. You yeah. didn't do that. So missionaries, I think for the Church of Jesus Christ come in many different forms. Some of them are online. Um, they serve solely on Facebook. Some of them are, you know, the people that you see on the side of the road with the name tags knocking on your door. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's others that, you know, don't don't wear name tags. Um, 
for example, in Russia, we um, went business casual for a little bit due to some legal issues that went down. Um, we had to wear no suits and ties. We were in just blue shirts and we were walking around. Um, and we didn't wear name tags just because that was the law. And so... Um, because it was seen as proselyting? Yeah. Okay, so any form of advertisement of any sort, just even declaring your name and, and who you're representing because it was religious, that was seen as a form of proselyting. Sort of. It was more, I couldn't go around saying, hey, I want to tell you how much God loves you. That was obviously <laughs> not okay in Russia, especially with the um, the law. But I could, if somebody expressed interest, I could obviously tell them who I was and why I was there. How would they express interest if, I mean, they just come up to you and go, you know what? I kind of want to know a little bit more about God. You look like somebody who can help me. <laughs> no, it, it it it's not. Um, in Russia, they're very closed off, as probably the stereotype goes that Russians are very closed off, um, and that that stereotype is true to a certain extent. Um, Russians don't really like to go out of their way to talk to somebody. You don't really smile. Um, but um, while I was there, I think oh, I just lost my train of thought. What are uh-huh. we talking about? <laughs> well, it's, how how would you be able to approach someone if you couldn't approach them? There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would go around doing natural conversations. So um, we still discussed lessons with people um, that, that showed their interest in our church. And we still baptized people that were interested. Um, but it was just how we found those people is a little bit different to the normal way that we, we see missionaries. Um, I never once knocked on a door. I didn't walk around with, name, with a pass-along card saying, hey, God loves you. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, I just met people through natural conversations. So I asked questions. I asked just about any question that could ever exist besides, you know, I'd ask questions about favorite ice cream place. You know, what <laughs> word is this? I'm not from here. Or, you know, hey, I'm lost. Where is this? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'd start a conversation with people as long as it didn't involve religion. In Russian. In Russian. You yeah. had to speak the language, of course. Yeah. So all missionaries before they're uh, sent out to the field, if they're speaking a foreign language, goes to a place called the Missionary Training Center. Um, and there for two weeks to nine weeks, I was there for nine weeks, um, you learn the language and you speak nothing but that language. So I went to, I went into the MTC on May 16th, 2018. Um, and day one, I walked into the room and my Russian teacher greeted me with a big smile, only spoke Russian and I didn't speak a lick of Russian. Mm -hmm. And I just sat there with the biggest eyes and I was like, what the heck did you say to me? Mm -hmm. Um, and then as time went on, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's either flight or die. And especially in Russia where they don't speak very good English. Yeah. It, you got to learn. I mean, there's no other way around it. But they um, could tell. Could they tell when you were, when you'd approach someone on a subway and be like, hey, can you tell me where the best froyo is? Were they like, you're American? At the beginning, yeah. Um, towards the end, um, I don't mean to brag, but towards the end, <laughs> towards, the, <laughs> towards the end, a lot of people would be like, wait, what? You're not... You're mm-hmm. not American. You're you sound Russian, mm-hmm. and that was because I had spoken it twenty four seven. I even, me personally, I went all in. Mm-hmm. Whenever I do something, I don't really, you know, half ass it. I full, you full ass it. I full ass it. <laughs> um, and uh, so I, when I got there, I uh, I ate like a Russian. I did Russian mannerism. Like I would do the weirdest things. You know, even though it was weird to me, always take your shoes off and brush your feet. I always did that. Um, I always. Uh, I ate like a Russian like all the time. I, you know, some missionaries would make spaghetti. I'd put the spaghetti aside. I've had enough spaghetti. I, I was going to eat like a Russian. I, I, you know, even drank, not 
alcohol. Vodka? But I drank no vodka. I, no vodka. <laughs> but I drank, um, you know, normal average Russian drinks every day, and mm-hmm. I, I. At the beginning, it was hard because I I was so used to thinking in English, speaking in English. But then after a while, after thinking and training myself to think, I I had found myself in the Russian spirit of things, mm-hmm. um, and that's why I've come to absolutely love the people. I yeah. mean, they're I've been around the world. I've seen a, a lot of Europe. I've met a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. But I think if there's one group of I guess people that i love more than anything besides america mm-hmm. i'd have to say russia they they're very very special and if i could explain the russian people to somebody that has never been there um i would say they're like coconuts you know they're hard on the outside <laughs> really hard yeah but then when you get to know them they're the sweetest people you've ever met and, right. and you got to have the personality that can penetrate through that through that hard shell and if you're if you got that personality Oh, they'll, they'll love you. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really fun when you have that type of personality. Let's talk a little bit about how you got to Russia. Because you didn't get to choose where you went on your mission. And, no. and that's another something that I think people don't understand about yeah. how the church works. First of all, you know, men and women, boys and girls, 20-year-olds if you're a girl, 19-year-olds if you're a, a girl, 18-year-olds if you're a boy. If you're a boy, mm-hmm. it's changed over the years. Yes, so it has. It's, it's been, it's changed just most recently, actually, not too long ago. And you don't, you put your name into Salt Lake City and they choose for you. My son went on a mission um, eight or nine years ago to the Philippines. And, you know, he had no, he, he didn't know anything about the Philippines. It was like a shock to have him speaking Tagalog. I mean, like it was something crazy. And people kept saying, did you ask to go there? Yeah. And how did they determine that? And how would you describe how it's how it happens and how you get to choose? I mean, there are some people that will stay stateside because of medical reasons or sure. things that will keep them where they need to be safe here because of medical issues or mental or emotional issues. Mm-hmm. They'll stay home in stateside but for the most part you put your mission papers in and you're like it's like a lottery (laughs) just draw it out of the hat but that's not exactly how it works yeah yeah so um in our church we have uh leaders um like like when jesus was on the earth it was the quorum of the 12 apostles um and we have leaders of our church who choose where we serve um and they pull your name up and you so you do you go through a certain amount of interviews with different leaders in the area Um, and then they send it off to Salt Lake City and in Salt Lake City that's where the leaders look at your picture and only look at a very brief description of you so they really don't know you that Mm -hmm. I mean you're looking at a picture and a basic description he has brown eyes brown hair and he likes to play water polo I mean that's basically all they (laughs) have no allergies no allergies (laughs) and then they look at a map and then they kind of think about it they pray about it and then they then they make that decision through revelation um, so you can serve from anywhere from the Philippines to Africa to Russia to you know Finland wherever it may be um, and that it, we believe that it is divinely inspired um, getting called to Russia is a whole different ball game because not only are you chosen to go to Russia in a specific mission within Russia there's five of them there's St. Petersburg Moscow Rostov Yekaterinburg and Novosibirsk is um, Novosibirsk Siberia? Novosibirsk is Siberia. It covers mm. eight time zones. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's large. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's the largest mission in the world. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, when they pick somebody to go to, someone like Russia, um, they will then take that application and put it in a separate pile. 
So you've got, you know, the rest of the pile, you know, you can go into the Philippines or, you know, Oklahoma, wherever mm-hmm. it may be. And then the Russian ones will go in a separate pile. And there they do a CIA back, background check. And the then they send it over to Russia where they do an FSB background check so that you can receive your visa. Um, they check basically who you are. They, they know everything. Um, and then once you receive your visa, that is when you get the all clear to, okay, now let's move forward with, with your call. Um, and so getting called to Russia, it, it's hard because when you get to the MTC, some people aren't able to make it because then their visa gets declined because of some reason. That oh, the they find out. So mm. a, few, a few times while I was in the MTC, there was a few people that found out that they couldn't go because their visas were denied. So they just stayed in stateside? They actually were called to uh, either Ukraine or mm. Eastern Baltic mission, mm. which is like Lithuania, Estonia. Yeah. Still speaking Russian, but just not in Russia. So wow, I mean, you'd love to. That's a whole different podcast, I right? I want to know what they did that they couldn't go to. Russia. I mean, was it something like the social media or it's something that the FSB thought was would be a danger? Now, to... what is the FSB? FSB is modern KGB. So mm. the, there's the KGB that we all know back then. Mm-hmm. Well, they've changed their main name to FSB. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the new. So uh, they are Russia's version of like the CIA or the yeah, FBI? exactly. They're the Russians' version of the CIA. CIA, okay. They're, they're in charge of all, you know. Intelligence. Intelligence. Yeah, whatever okay. Whatever it may be. Cool. Um, okay, so while you were there, though, you you learned a lot more than just r- Russian. There's some funny stories, though, that when people would find out that you were American, they'd call you names. What names? <laughs> what, what, what are some of the names they'd call you? Just, just quickly. Um... I got called George Bush, which I really, <laughs> I don't get that one. It's my I, favorite thing ever. Is that just because that's the only American they could think I of? I don't know, but I like. I mean, you could have been called like Brad Pitt. I, or oh, like, I could have. Someone you know, cool, I yeah. guess. Yeah. No, oh, I come was, on. George W.? Does it get any cooler? Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it does, actually. It does. Actually, it might. I don't just, know if that's a so compliment or a I think it's the diss. president they know. Yeah. Well, they yeah they <laughs> i was walking down the street and uh i started bargaining with this guy from uzbekistan and i bargaining I was, for what like well, a, an item i was gonna i was trying to get a, a fur hat okay and so um you have to have a fur hat you gotta have a fur hat and mm-hmm. it was cold and i wanted one and i was like i need one and so i told this guy hey i'll pay you this amount of rubles and he said no so i started walking away mm-hmm. and he said no george bush come back and i looked at him <laughs> and i was like why why would you call me george bush and he's like you're american and i was like is that the first American that came to your main? So I, I got called that, and I got called Yankee. Mm-hmm. Uh, was, Yankee, people, go home. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I had some people say Yankee, go home. But usually people would just be like, you're a CIA agent. That was another thing. They'd be like, hey, CIA agent. And I'd be like, okay. <laughs> they thought just because you were an American, you were yeah, CIA. Yeah, just because I was an American, they thought I was CIA, and I'd be like, why? You should have been like, wait. Uh, I got into your yeah, I got him. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got him. No, I my by the end of my mission at the beginning, I freaked me out because I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm gonna get arrested. I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna get falsely accused for being a CIA agent because you know all I'm there is to help people. Like that's mm-hmm. my sole purpose. Was not a CIA agent, <laughs> and um, and then by the end of my mission, I, it was pretty funny. I would some old guy came up to me and was accusing me that I was a CIA agent. I looked at him and I, and I had just the worst day, and I I probably was a little rude to him, but I still looked at him. And I was like, really. I'm a CIA agent. You really think so? Look at me. I'm in a suit and tie and I speak crappy Russian. You really think the CIA is going to send somebody like this? to run? And, and he just goes, I don't know what you guys are up to and walked away. And I was like, Go hey, really? You think they're going to send somebody like me? It's a really good point. Yeah. Like standing out so much with your white you were, shirt and tie. I would blend in. Yeah, yeah you'd I would blend. Wanna, I wouldn't want to walk around in a suit and tie. No, so. no. 
So the reason we had John Cam not just talk about the the great experiences that you had in Russia and some of your fun stories, but you've got some elements of success that you've you learned while you were gone and there's four or five of them that we want you to talk to us about um tell us the first one yeah um the first one is pretty simple it's uh my mission president um what's your mission president's name do you want to tell his name his name is brent d rosson shout Um, out brent rosson shout out brent rosson (laughs) the rossons um and he got this idea from dead poet society mm-hmm. so um as, the robin you, williams robin movie williams, yes favorite robin williams movie if sure. you guys ever watched it yeah uh, he talks about carpe diem sees the day um and this was something that he he hit on a lot um he made a, helped us to understand that we only have two years to 18 months to serve mm-hmm. so seize every day that is given you because by the end you're going to be really thankful you did um or else you're going to you know, go home and realize, well, that two years or 18 months was a complete waste of my time. I just fooled around. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ooh, regrets. regrets. I've had a few. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so with Carpe Diem, it helped us to remember that, you know, are you going to seize moments that are given to you or are you just going to kind of let them go by? Because mm-hmm. if you seize them, at least by the end of the day, whether it was a good experience or bad experience, you can say, I seized it, you know. It, it seems like if, if you go with that philosophy in general, mm-hmm. I mean, let's just let's just bring it back to the USA right now, mm-hmm. right? COVID, all the stuff that's happened, but there's always a moment to see something, right? Yeah. So if if you just let it go, and you just say, "Happen, let's let's make this happen right now," never going to happen, Mm-mm. right? Mm-mm. I mean, you did dedicate two years, and you talked about eighteen months. Just for everyone, eighteen months is how long the the young women serve. Mm-hmm. Um, when they go on a mission, um, young men serve for two years. But in that, when he when he's saying that, I mean, I, I'm going to put myself, I didn't serve a mission. Um, I wasn't actually active in the church for a long time during those times when you, like the ages 18 to 30 years old, I wasn't active in the church. I couldn't imagine serving a mission. I mean, question, he's telling you, seize the moment. Now, you, you've just been dropped off in Russia. Mm-hmm. You come from California, Southern California. <laughs> There's a lot of differences in Russia. Mm-hmm. When he said seize the moment, did you buy it like you were like, yes, I'm going to seize the moment? I think I already know the answer to this because <laughs> I know who you are and I know the kind of person you are. So I know you did. But I could see how that would not be super easy for everybody. No, especially at the beginning when you don't know the language, you're behind the eight ball. The food isn't. What food's you're not used great. To. The yeah. weather, hello. The well, okay. The, the food was great. Food is great. Straight oh, off of that. Okay, the food's good. Okay, but, but did the, it take the, some like mental convincing to seize the day? Yeah, you gotta miss home. I mean, you missed Honestly, us. Yeah, I, I missed home. You know, it was hard. I think I think I cried the moment. Yeah, yeah, I did. When I. <laughs> you actually cried. You're not just saying that. You're oh like, no, I like wanted, I cried. Yeah, when yeah, I good. I remember when I got to call home. Um, I it, so I was just in the MTC for nine weeks, and I had just been emailing them. That was it. Yeah. At the time, that mm-hmm. was all was that was all that was allowed. Now missionaries can FaceTime every Monday, um, but at the time, I hadn't seen nor talked to my parents in nine weeks. So then, I'm in the airport of Frankfurt, Germany. Mm-hmm. I call them, and I'm about to make my last leg into St. Petersburg, and I call them, and my hear I hear my parents' voices, and I just I couldn't hold back. I just I just started crying. And it wasn't like tears of sadness or t- I just, it, I think it was just tears of the unknown. Right. Cause I was like, I'm about to, 
make the, i've been to germany before so being in germany was like cool you know buy some german chocolate and call it good <laughs> but now it was the sense of okay there's no turning back there's no turning back now and i i had my russian visa in hand and i i was tired and i remember we were told only to speak russian as best as we could i mean it was like a whole process getting in and i remember just being like what have I gotten myself into? Crap, I mean, this I'm not is saying anything. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so the idea of seize the day um, took me a minute, but I remember on the plane over in the day that I got there, actually the minute I got there, my mission president took my bags, put it into the car, and had his assistants, two other elders that I've been serving there for a while, take me and my companion into the city. And he was like, I want you to go talk to somebody. And I looked at him the and I was like, first day. the very first day. Oh, first... you didn't get to go to the mission home oh, first? Oh, no, 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 no. He said, come to the mission home. You'll go. But he's like, you got to take the train there and you got to talk to somebody. And I looked at him and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I had, mind you, I've been in the MTC for nine weeks to speak a language. And I probably like eight of those weeks, I was still trying to learn the alphabet. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's not the same alphabet. No, it's not. And, <laughs> you know, like RP is an R in their language. So, I mean, I had to like re- like program my brain yeah. to understand how to read this and let alone understand it so i looked at him like he was insane and i was like you know okay mm-hmm. and so we started i remember i got under the train i started looking around at the people and i was like oh, this is actually because in my head i was thinking of like you know the stereotypical ussr you know big furry hats and everyone's scary and that wasn't the case at all sure you know nobody was smiling or laughing but it was very it was just as normal as here and I, I remember I was looking around and my the elder that I was with that was experienced looked at me and said, okay, go talk to that guy right there. And I was like, okay. And then President Rossen had told us right before we got on, got out, he said, seize the day. He was like, you'll know what that means, but seize the day. And I had already understood what the word seize was. So I was like, okay. So I looked at the guy and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say to him, but I'm going to walk up to him and just hopefully something will come out of my mouth that makes sense. I walked up to him. I asked the worst question in the whole world. I said, are you from here? Oh. Which anyone that has served in Russia and has done those type of, to ask that question is the worst question to start off with. But that's all I knew. Where are you from? So I walked up to him and I said, where are you from? And he looked at me like I was on cocaine. Like mm-hmm. I was just like, he was like, what? And I said, where are you from? And he just goes, I'm from here. And I was like, cool. I'm from America. And we had the greatest conversation. That was probably one of my fa- most amazing conversations I ever had was with that guy and it it was all because I seized that moment did had, you did you speak Russian to him I it was like 50 50 luckily he could speak English he spoke a little English mm-hmm. so it was very nice that we could kind of you know he was like oh, I can't think of this word in English I'd help him and he would help me it was really cool and then after that oh I you let the dogs out I, I was I was gone <laughs> you I talked to every single person I mean that that after that first one after I seized that moment and realized hey this isn't that bad. You know, mm-hmm. that. Uh, sure, I have no idea what I'm saying. And after I speak Russian to somebody, frankly, I have no idea what they're saying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I still was like, all right, let's let let's let's go. Let's do this. So I, I walked up to, I remember we got back to the mission home and the mission president looked at um, Elder Cummings was his name and uh, Conrad Cummings. <laughs> and he, Conrad goes, um, President Rawson, uh, Elder Owens, Cameron, just talk to every single person luckily well he was there someone said they'd call the cops on me my first time so that was great what does that mean wait what so say that again so <laughs> mom my, doesn't know this story so, no. so my first day i guess i didn't tell you this my first mm-hmm. day i okay so this is already after i had the first great conversation 
you're there's pumped. Op- there's, you're pumped. There's now. opposition in all things, so <laughs> we got to remember that you know not all great things happen twenty four seven. So there's got to be an end. So I remember I was walking around. This is still the first day. Still first day. I had first to make, subway I, ride. This is we're getting to the mission home. So mm-hmm. I wasn't even there yet, and I I'm sitting there just talking away. I'm talking. You've everybody. been up all night flying here, night, you, but I yeah. it, it was like I took a five hour energy. I mean, yeah. I was pumped. I was yeah. like talking to people. Yeah. I I remember I started talking. This guy showed interest in religion, so we kind of exchanged mm-hmm. numbers and mm-hmm. i was like yes like mm-hmm. this is great and then i get to my last guy i roll up i roll up to him and said hey i had learned another phrase like what's the weather tomorrow i think mm-hmm. i asked elder cummings mm-hmm. you know how do you say it and i wrote it down and i said it i think i even held i think i even <laughs> held my notebook in front of my face and read it to him he was confused but then so before i continue with the story i should let you guys know in 2017 the russian federation um banned all forms of religious proselyting, meaning I can't go, like we already talked about, I can't go around knocking on doors. That law was originally made against the Jehovah's Witnesses. It was not made against our religion. They were mad at the Jehovah's Witnesses because they were going over boundaries when it came to proselyting. They were kind of getting people's faces and the Russian government was kind of done with it. So they made this law. Often, you the only way you can tell the difference between Jehovah's Witnesses and elders from the church of Jesus Christ are they have the name tag that's the only d- distinguishing difference is that mm-hmm. you've got this little black thing tag, yeah. on your name tag mm-hmm. that's what we have mm-hmm. they don't so me walking around in a no just a suit and tie but no name tag they immediately thought I was Jehovah's Witness and so which I wasn't and so <laughs> this guy this guy looks at me and he goes you're Jehovah's Witness aren't you and I I didn't know what that word meant mm-hmm. Elder Cummings was a few people behind me so he wasn't really in on the conversation and I, I didn't know what the word for Jehovah's Witness was. I didn't even know what the word for like door was. I didn't know anything. <laughs> I, I like looked at him and I was like, Did you say uh? Uh-huh. I no, I didn't say uh huh. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't understand. No. And he goes, and then he speaks in English. He goes, Are you Jehovah's Witness? I said, No, I'm not. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ. And then he he looks at me and goes, Well, I'm gonna tell the cops. And in English like that, and he <gasps> looks at me. And my my world just <laughs> fell apart, and I was like, "Wow, I've been in this country for two hours, and I'm already <laughs> I'm already going to jail." So I, I I look at Elder Cummings, and I'm like, "I need uh, you yeah, over here." So yeah. Elder Cummings comes over and talks to him, and and explains to him better than I could what the situation was. That we're volunteers, that we're here to help people. That's mm-hmm. our main purpose. That's it. And he goes, "Oh." Okay, and the guy was a little bit more understanding, but then after was like, I'm still going to go tell the cops. And so luckily the cops didn't come follow us. But again, coming back to that point of seizing the day, yeah. um, you know, I think that is applicable to everything. Sure. You know, if you've got an opportunity and, you know, you'll be thankful you did it. Yeah. You, you'll regret it in the end if you don't. If you don't, yeah. So, so mm-hmm, good. You, you talked about a mission president and for people who would be listening who don't understand what a mission president is, talk a little bit about why they are so important to missionaries uh mission presidents are basically your your dad for (laughs) and mom and mom yeah they 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 bring their wives along um so it's like your your mom and dad for a while Mm -hmm. um they take care of you they they look out for you and whatnot um they they're basically the leader of those missionaries that are called to serve in this area certain area how many missionaries were in your area? Do you remember? Yes. You had a small mission. We had a very small mission. On average, missionaries across the world, I would say an average is like 100, maybe to 200, depending on the area. Um, we only have 35. So, um, But it is not the smallest mission in the world. The smallest mission in the world is in Armenia. Um, mm. Armenia only has 14. 
Really? Um, oh. Just because Armenia is the size of like it's Rhode tiny. Island. It's very small. I didn't um, even realize that we had missionaries there. So they've combined Georgia, the country, mm-hmm. and Armenia together. Okay. And there's f- seven between the two countries. <gasps> oh. And um, they, they, usually you serve on six-week transfers, which means in six weeks you have a companion that you serve with. Mm-hmm. And then there's a chance that the mission president could take that elder that you're serving with and move them somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So people understand you guys, you always see two missionaries together. And mm-hmm. that is because when they put you together, that's your companion. Yeah. And that basically is the per- your person. You yeah. don't go anywhere without that person. You no. might go into the restroom by yourself and you take yeah, your shower right. by yourself, <laughs> but you don't exercise. You don't go out for a jog by yourself. Mm-hmm. If you want to go for a jog, your companion goes with you. Right. It's, yeah, it's your, he's your, whether you like him or not, he's your buddy for the next six months, six weeks. Mm-hmm. He's your companion. I mean, my, when my son went on a mission, one of my, one of my biggest takeaways or what I wanted from my son was to experience building relationships with people. For me, I thought, you know, if he happens to preach the gospel, which he's going to do, if he gets people converted, that was secondary for me. I wanted Mitchell to have the experience of relationships that were difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason is because I really believe that if you can serve a mission and successfully leave without killing somebody, oh. right? Yeah. You could be married. Yeah. You can do anything. I mean, people say, why are you going on a mission at 19 years old between the time that you could party and now you're in the middle of this volunteering i'm using air quotes Mm -hmm. and you're learning a different language you're almost getting you know the what's the kgb no fsb fsb is on your on your tail because you might be the jehovah witnesses i mean you're doing all of these things but you're also compared with somebody that you might not like oh yeah and you're 24 7 it doesn't you know and i know that one of the things that really helped my son probably appreciate and also learn the language was getting somebody from that country to be a missionary with him Mm -hmm. did you ever have a uh you know a person from russia that you served with or is it not people from russia not serving missions in their own country no they're uh yeah we had some we had a lot of russian missionaries and i i did serve with an elder um he was from saratov so Mm -hmm. um very good guy and uh you know he the mission russian missionaries are great because they're they're they just are what are needed. Um, they're the future branch presidents, they're future leaders, and so we have them serve in those capacities pretty quickly because they don't need to learn language. I mean, they yeah. no, you know, and that's like the hardest part. Or the culture, they they know it, they live it, and they they understand it, and mm-hmm. that that to us is priceless. Um, so a lot of a lot of youth from Russia think, oh, I hope I serve in York, or I hope I serve in London. And every time I'm like, no, sorry, you're serving in Russia. Like, you're staying we need there, you buddy. because the church is small. I will admit that it's small, but mm-hmm. it's growing. Mm-hmm. It's growing fast, mm-hmm. and we need we need those Russian missionaries to to help us. Yeah. So if you can't proselyte and it's against the law to do that, but you're able to talk to them in a way, how is the church growing? So um, this idea of not proselyting is actually something that I think is going to become the new norm for missionaries. I personally believe. I don't know. That's up to the church leaders, but I think it's the better way to do it. I think it it already is. I know where you're going with this, and I think it already is kind of what we're all doing as as members of our church, which is building relationships with people and being as Christian as we can and helping each other, right? It's it's really about loving and helping each other. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
And I, I, you know, I, when we would meet people, you know, I, I never went up to them saying, hey, God loves you. Instead, I was, you know, a lot of people I, I discussed with, it was very simple, like, you know, hey, what's the stop sign? You know, what, what is that word right there? Where, where is this road taking us? Um, one guy that I, that we baptized, he, uh, he was found by an elder who just asked him a simple question about a word in Russian, helped him. And then they, they later had a meeting at the church building. And I think that it just works for Russia. Had it, you know, had it been anywhere else, it may work. It may not. You know, I know there's some places in South America that people are just, you know, jumping into the font to be baptized. Yeah. But, um, in a place like Russia, you know, they, religion's a touchy subject for them because they had really, they didn't have it throughout communism and then they have it. And now they have some, you know, stereotypes with religion that they don't want anything to do with. So to, for me to just walk up and be like, Hey, God loves you. That that's just a huge no, no. So it's about forming personal relationships yeah. with people and being their friend and caring about them as people. And I, and I genuinely cared about, <coughs> cared about those people that we talked to. And I mean, I, I, every one of them, I have their names written. I have my, their names right now on my phone. Every one of them, I have a relationship in some way. Um, and that was, you got to be that thing that pierces that coconut. Yeah. You, know, you got to have that personality. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, I made, I made some great friends in Russia just because I was willing to put myself out there and seize that moment to talk to them. Yeah. You know, if you, with missions, it's hard because you know, you're away from home, you get homesick. It's easy to think about, oh man, I'd kill for an in and out burger or whatever. <laughs> but it, when you forget about that and focus on the people, I think that's where I really hit the sweet spot. When you live the, when you live the culture, when you live with the people and you really come to love them, that's, that's the sweet spot. That's money. Yeah. So after seize the day, what's your next element of success? Find a way. What's that mean? So find a way was another thing that president Rossin said. He, president Rossin was the type of person that just had these catchphrases and he ended all of his, all of his uh, emails with carpe diem or never quit or he always started off with carpe diem or you just saw him and he was always gotten his little his little quotes that he had and find a way was always something that he used um, he used to say uh, if if it's important to you you'll find a way if it's not you'll find an excuse oh, that's and, a good one. and you know that was that was the thing that we always you know we we're always looking to find a way um, he hated excuses there were sometimes I remember one time I called him and I was trying to explain to him something. I can't remember. I was trying to explain to him something about how this wasn't working or something. <laughs> I basically I was coming up with excuses <laughs> and I'm talking to him and I had, he wasn't saying anything. Mm -hmm. It was just me yabbering about, you know, this, 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 and this. And he goes, Elder Owens, mm -hmm. are you giving me an excuse? And I just sat there for like five seconds and I was like, yes. And he goes, what do you want me to do? And he's like, he's like, what do I want you to do? And that's when I told him, I was like, find a way. He goes, all right, find a way like just go and I was like okay so and we did find out I, I remember that but he we got this from you know when the law was made um, it really it really put some holes in our sales you know mm -hmm. to some people it was like oh if you can't proselyte then really work is done you know mm -hmm. and for the mission president that was before President Rossin he didn't know I mean I feel bad I, I truly was I feel bad for him because he was really caught in you know the middle of it. He, he didn't have anything he didn't know what to do the lawyers didn't know what to do the law was just made it was just kind of like what can so we the do? law is recent yeah it's 2017 
So they made it recently. And as soon as that happened, I mean, the missionaries there, no one knew what to do. I mean, I remember what can stories, we do? What can we do? Yeah. Can we even talk to people? Can we yeah. even, you know, you know, as, and, and this is serious, like, oh, yeah, because we're thinking like, well, what if you do? So what? You know, because no. we have something called freedom of speech. We have freedom of religion here in Russia. It's not the same. No, it's 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 very serious. And it's like, you know, it's a very strict, you know, it's like when you ask your mom, how firm is that? No, like this is like <laughs> a very firm, no proselyting. Um, and so at the time, the missionaries were just helping members, you know, the, the elders and sisters were helping members to, you know, do great things and reactivating people. And that that's what they could do at that time because they didn't understand. But as when President Rawson came in, he kind of added a twist into it, it was like, well, let's talk. To, I mean, why can't you talk to people? That's not you're not proselyting. You're talking to people. Mm -hmm. And if they show interest, then great. You know, that's their choice to show interest. It's not illegal to join a church. Mm -hmm. It's just illegal to walk around and go, hey, God loves you, mm -hmm, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so when that happened, I think there was some murmuring. I think there was some there was some people that were like, well, this we're screwed, you know. Yeah. We're no done. longer. No, the church isn't going to grow in Russia. We're done. And, um, you know, it, there was a big change, I think, in the mission when President Rawson came in, mm -hmm. um, the mission president before was great. Sure. I'm not trying to down him. No, I'm not, not trying at to all. say he was bad. No, he mm -hmm. he was a good mission president, and you know he did the best with what he had, sure. which was you know information. Right. Information is key. Yeah. And so when President Rawson came in, it, he had the idea. It was like, well, let's let's see here. And he started mm -hmm. talking to lawyers, and he started you know trying to trying to get us back on the path because you know no elder sister wants to go and just you know sit around and serve members serving members is great i'm you know i'm all for serving members but the whole point of going is to help somebody to come under christ and baptize them mm -hmm. that's our purpose that's our main purpose that's what we're there for um and so president rawson was like that's not a good way to you know i don't want my missionaries coming home saying well you know i sat around the members i sat around and i helped the youth you know yeah. like that you want to help the youth but you also want to say hey i baptized some people yeah and so he was he really he'll never admit this mm -hmm. um but he really was like looking for ways to, you know, and that was his big, when I got there, he was like, talk to everyone. He's like, I don't care what you're doing. He's like, if you're walking on the escalator, I would hope that you're like, hey, you know, tapping somebody and, you know, you're getting on the bus, you know, look around. You always have your head on a swivel. That was mm -hmm. his thing. Always be looking around to see who's, who's there ready to talk. Because, I mean, when you find a way, it really is a feeling of accomplishment. For sure. um, because now we're really in hitting in fourth gear. Mm -hmm. And I think I think there's a feeling of, I remember it was slow when I got there, but then by the time it was ending, I mean, we were like fourth gear going. And mm -hmm. I think finding a way, you know, we weren't willing to just take the law as an excuse. And that's applicable to life. I mean, I can make excuses all day, every day. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I would say I had an experience when I was going um, to school and I was working for a company and I remember I went in there making up excuses and I, it was a life lesson I'll never forget. He basically said, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Take personal responsibility for what you're doing. Yeah. He was harsh. I My lip was quivering oh. because it was, I never had anyone speak to me in that terms. But if you can take personal responsibility and you can find a way and you're not making up excuses, I mean, there, it's all you, yeah. right? And if it's all you, you can be proud of everything you're doing. Yeah, no regrets. And no regrets. No I mean, and, and you're not always successful. That's not what this means. It's not like find a way and everything's going to be fine. No. no, no. <laughs> it's find a way and it might suck. 
Oh, it's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's not going to be fun. I mean, and, and again, if you're doing it right, you're probably constantly. That's your mantra. Yeah. Got to find a way. Once you do it, then you got to find another one. Yeah. And then another one. Yeah. And apply it to something else. So that's awesome. Well, yeah. I think anyone that's ever been successful. I mean, you look at Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Walt Disney. I mean, they that was I mean, they had probably never said find a way, but it was in their heart. We're going mean, to find a way. Elon, I mean, Steve Jobs was fired from Apple. I mean, he found a way and started his own company. Elon mm-hmm. Musk was on his last dollar for mm-hmm. SpaceX. He found a way and put, you know, found yeah. a way to get it done. Yeah. Absolutely. So we've carpe diemed. We found a way and we're not going to give excuses. What's next? The next one was uh, think outside the box, but inside the fence. Oh, it's such a visual. It is. And he <laughs> even had uh, the new missionaries that came here to the mission. He would have a big uh, presentation. Mm-hmm. And he'd put up uh, he put up on the TV a picture of a fence, <laughs> and then he had a little picture of a sandbox. That was a picture of the sandbox, and then the green area. He's like, "I want you in that green area." He's like, "I don't want you in the box. I want okay. you because he's like." And he, his big thing was he hated ruts. He's like, I "Hate ruts." He thinks routines are good, but he hates ruts. You know, routine, brush your teeth. That should be a good routine. That's not a rut. You know. Yeah. But something like you know, every day I you know. Eat a Snickers bar. Eat a Snickers bar. You know that's a. <laughs> or you you're sh- getting on the on the train so yeah. you can go talk to these people every single day. Every day, and you're you know, change it up. Change it up, and that's something that we did. Um, I remember I was, I had been serving for about six months or so, and I was called out to a little branch called in Vuiburg. It's right on the border of Finland. Wait, say that again. Vuiburg. I, I thought so, you didn't even say a word right there. It sounded like it's how you spell it. Spell it. V Y B O R G. But it's not Vyborg. I like unless Vyborg. You're in fin- unless you're in Finland, it's I've heard from Finland that's it's a uh, Vybori. Mm-hmm. That's Finnish. But in Russian, it's got a Uy. It's I, a weird language thing. And we can talk, yeah, Uy, <laughs> And so in Vyborg. I'll just go with Viber. <laughs> no, Viber. say it right. Say it right. And Viber, they, uh, it's right there on the border, and it's a very hard, it's a very hard um, place to find people because it's super small. I mean, it's I kid you not, it's probably the size from here to just like Foothill. I know they're not going to know. That so thing. it's a few miles, you know. From here to, to Foothill is, an, is about a mile. Yeah. Okay, so if it's even that. It's a. It's so small. Tiny. I mean, I walked it. I can tell you the streets like the back of my hand. I mean, it, I remember I got there and my companion that I served with, Adam Otterson, he <laughs> he sits me down and they've got a map on the mm-hmm. table. And so I'm like, okay, let's, you know, look at the map. Let's talk about this. <laughs> and he pulls out the map and slaps it on the, on the table. And I was like, is there another map that shows it bigger? You know, is this just like downtown? He goes, nope, this is it. And I was like, Okay, <laughs> and so I, when I got called there, though, he, my mission president was like, "I want to talk to you before you leave," and I was like, "Okay." And he was like, "Look, it, Vuibudik's hard." He's like, "I, I hate calling people there just because my, you know, elders and sisters have to leave. They just like, it's like The Shining, you know, they go absolutely <laughs> cabin crazy and they start trying to kill their companions." How many like, people live there? You think? Uh, I'd say like a thousand. I probably not even that. Probably less than a thousand. They all know who you are oh yeah so the church when the soviet union fell the church needed to have a building and the first building they made was in Vyborg. it's yeah. the first building ever made in russia really pretty building it's not your average building that you see it's got beautiful arc wood it's oh it's beautiful it's my favorite church building and uh there was that's where the church started because right there in finland um and uh so finland was part of your mission it was not 
So the so Finland Finland is a completely separate mission because you know they speak Finnish, and right. so yeah, so they you got Finnish people, you got people that are called to serve in Finland, and so um, but we were close to the border, and um, so that was yeah. So I he said, look, it's not how easy to call people there because it's so hard to find people there because everyone knows the church because it's such a small town that everyone goes, those are those Mormon kids. I don't go near me, you know. <laughs> And so I remember thinking in my head, I was like, okay, this is gonna be hard. Like, this is gonna be really hard. And I knew that we had to think outside the box, but inside the fence with this. What are we doing wrong when it came to contacting people? What were we doing wrong? What could we do different? And so I remember um, my companion and I were sitting there and he, I asked him, I said, what, what questions do you ask people? Let's just start basics. What questions are we asking? And uh, he just, he, he said that they asked questions just about like, you know, where food was or what this was. And I said, okay, what, what interests you and me? What is something that we have in common? And, and Adam and I knew each other really well. We really liked each other. And, uh, and Adam goes, well, we both like shawarma. And I was like, yeah, we do. What's like, shawarma? So shawarma is, <laughs> it's different in every country, but in St. Petersburg, it's basically like Uzbekistanian burrito. It's like, you got tortilla, chicken, uh, tomatoes is it a tortilla like we know it's a tortilla yeah it's just bigger it's it's like a lot longer it's like armenian bread kind of it's like longer thin tortilla i guess i really Mm -hmm. don't know what to call it but um and so they put chicken cucumbers tomatoes this was your favorite thing when you were there and garlic i remember you writing home oh yeah (laughs) It, it was so good and so we both looked at each other we're like okay Let's just start asking people where, because that was a genuine question. You know, you don't want to ask a fake question like, hey. You really wanted to know. I genuinely wanted to know. <laughs> yeah. Where can I get the best shawarma? And so. I'm going to ask somebody that one time. <laughs> oh, yeah. And well, it got, uh, it, I mean, it blew up. I mean, we started asking people these questions and people were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's over here. It's on this corner. I'll take you. And so we'd go with these people and we'd eat with them. Oh. And it was like, I. It was almost like we had invented the wheel. Like it was like, <laughs> I mean, Adam and I one night we he we talked about how many numbers you get, and that that's how that's what helped us to kind of how many numbers you getting per week. That was mm-hmm. something that we reported to the mission. Meaning, president. how many people did you talk to? Yeah, how many people did you talk to, and how many of them were interested enough to hang out with you to, right. to meet up again? So, at the follow the week before I got there, they had two. The following week we had fifteen. The next week we had thirty. And then the following week, again, we had 30 contacts. So, I mean, we were really, I mean, tearing it up. I mean, it was like, it was great. And, you know, we really were thinking outside the box with this idea. And this question doesn't work anywhere else. I tried it in other areas. (laughs) No one, everyone's like, why? That is a weird question. And it doesn't work. But in Weber, though, I... (laughs) People were like, yeah, I know where the, I, my cousin owns a place. Why don't you come on over? And I'm like, yes. is I'm there like, more than one place that has these things? Oh, I think there was like four. In and this so, little town. Yeah, in this little town. But but it was just funny to hear people's ideas. And so we would eat at places multiple times yeah, if sure. it was their favorite. Sure. Yeah. By the end of it, though, we'd be like, no, we tried that place. That place sucks. Like that Food poisoning. <laughs> you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, we would tell them. But it was really interesting to see how when you think outside the box, you can really come up with something. Yeah. And it could be a, something as simple as just switching up the question. I yeah. mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, Apple's new iPhone 13. I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, it's really like, it could just be as simple as just a little tweak here mm-hmm. and it makes all the difference. Yeah. So when you're talking about numbers, we want, I want to make sure people understand because we started out talking about being a proselyting mission versus a, a service mission. 
And really the idea is that you want to bring people unto Christ and you want to serve them. You want to do good things for them. And when you talk about numbers, people might think that, well, the only reason you were there was to make sure that you got the numbers, like that was important to you. But I know that's not the goal. Mm -hmm. The ultimate goal was to do what? Well, the ultimate goal was to help others to come unto Christ. I mean, that was our main goal. And, and, you know, when I talked to these people, I genuinely wanted to help them, you know, whether whether they wanted it or not. I wanted to offer a hand of help. And so one of the things that we would do is we'd meet up with people, you know, after we got the phone number, we would say, hey, Russians love to walk around. It's called a guliat. I like to guliat with people. Really? And you like to walk around with no purpose. That's what it means. In Ru- it's just, <laughs> you walk around. You're not walking anywhere in specific. It's literally you just walk around town. Because we go places. Yeah. When we're walking, we have a place to be. Or yeah, you're, you're trying to go a mile. You're trying to come back around to the same car where you started or whatever. Right. No, there it's like, oh, let's, let's go Wander. for a walk. Let's Even walk. in 30 below? Oh, yeah. They walk at, at you would think, oh, it's so cold. They're not going to be. No, no, no. They're out. They're out walking. They're walking and they're walking around. And, you know, that's great for us. Sure. So we would be like, hey, let's go for a walk. And so we'd go for a walk. And, I, you know, I, we'd, I would genuinely want to get to know these people. And so I'd, I, they'd ask me questions about America. I'd ask them questions about who they are. And things would come up. They'd be like, hey, yeah, I, you know, my mom died or whatever. Yeah. They, you know, this happened to me. And I'd be like, that, that's too bad. You know what? We've got something. It really came from the bottom of my heart. And that's why we that's why we were able to help so many people is because they saw that I was genuine mm-hmm. and that I really wanted to help them. I wasn't just trying to get them in my church building and to get them baptized. That wasn't it at all. Yeah. I wanted to help, you know, and I found myself wanting to help those people genuinely, not yeah. just be like, oh, I want this guy to church so we can get them. I need this number. I need this number, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. No, it was like, I want to help this person. Mm-hmm. And if they want the help, they can get it. And so we would, you know, talk to them and they'd be like, yeah, my mom died. And I'd be like, well, you know, I've got this thing that would really help you and whatnot. And it was really great. Yeah. I think that's something that was interesting when I read your letters and just knowing a little bit about the background in Russia is that we take religion here for granted. I I really feel like, Mm -hmm. because I mean, religion is not really the big thing for most people anymore. It's kind of gone on the wayside, but we have the ability to practice different forms it's of religion everywhere. it's everywhere <laughs> anywhere you know, it, it, islam it's christianity there's a jewish it's temple Buddhism. mile up the road it, it could be judaism it doesn't mm-hmm. matter in our country or it shouldn't matter in our country yeah. that's the beauty of what we experience but in a place like russia you are introducing a different concept to people and a concept like you said that doesn't make everyone feel super comfortable you can't just say hey you know what do you know about god or do you know that god loves you or i want to yeah. so you had to really it would not have worked, like you said, unless you came from a place of love. Yeah, and that that came from just loving the Russian people. Because mm-hmm. I remember, I remember, I was in the missionary training center and being like, "This thing was hard. Like, yeah, why am I called mm-hmm. to speak such a?" And I was there for nine weeks. That's the longest time that you can spend <laughs> in the MTC. It's so so long. I would watch missionaries just cycle out. I mean, you get the German speaking elders that would get there for only six weeks and then mm-hmm. they're out and then you got the spanish speakers they're only there for six weeks and then you'd see the english speaking and they're only there for two weeks and you're just like this is a never-ending cycle and i still don't feel like i speak the language as well as i do you know now i mean it, it really it, it and so um, loving the people is loving the, key. the people was absolutely necessary and that was what our mission president wanted us to do he's mm-hmm. like i need you he's like i want you to love them he's mm-hmm. like understand them mm-hmm. and love them mm-hmm. and that that made all the difference because had i had i gone there with a hard heart being like this language is hard i want it in an out burger i want chipotle i'm sick of this you know i'm it's cold you know i don't even know what shawarma is i've never had it before <laughs> you know it, i haven't either but i really want it I want oh, some. that's killer so but i 
it wasn't until that one day that I was like, you know what? I'm going all in. I'm going to dress like a Russian. I'm going to do everything I can to be a Russian and mm-hmm. see if that makes the difference. Mm-hmm. And it did. I started, you know, we every every six weeks we were allowed to go um, visit a ballet, a Russian ballet, wow. or go to, a, go to a Russian hockey game. Now, mind you, Russian hockey games are a lot different than the Ducks games or whatever Los Angeles mm-hmm. Kings game that you're going to do. It's not an excuse to get drunk and, you know, have a party. There it is very serious. They take their hockey very seriously. And that was one that's of the... That's a religion. That's, that is a form of religion. I would consider that a religion in Russia. That They, they love their hockey. And, mm-hmm. you know, for them... To, they're good at it, too. Oh, they're wicked good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it... But for when it wasn't until I loved them and mm-hmm. saw them. I mean, I... I would do anything for them. And mm-hmm. I, I frankly, it wasn't until that moment that I was like, okay, these people that I'm talking to, I need to get to know them. What if we could do that here with people? Oh, what if we practice that? I mean, we do. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's really, we lose sight of that for religious purposes, any religion. I, I, I see people fighting about it. I see people yeah. bickering. I see people, you know, being completely un-Christ-like in what they're doing and saying. But what if we just loved each other? Wouldn't that be great? What if we could accept each other for like, hey, he's different. Mm-hmm. I don't understand him. But it's okay. But it's okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm all in. When we, you were talking about the hockey game, and this is just such a sense of pride for me and for anyone who, who knows you, the, the requirement to be immersed in that culture, full immersion. If you're there, you are a visiting entity who is trying to uh, fit in with the Russians, they're going to know you're not Russian. You know, yeah. I mean, it's not like, well, you just know. the way I look, you know. It, it's you don't very, look, yeah. You know, it's very obvious that I'm not. But at that hockey game or at one of those hockey games, all of the, the missionaries who were there mm-hmm. had to, didn't have to, but you stood up and sang the Russian national anthem. Yeah, so um, our mission president made us learn the national anthem. He's like, if you're gonna love them, you gotta, you gotta know the right. So every single time we met together, we sang the Russian national anthem. And uh, I remember we got together for, um, we went to the hockey game, and just like a baseball game here or a football game, you start off with the national anthem. And um, so we stood up with the rest of them. They don't put their hands over their heart; they no. just stand. Yeah. So we. Stood How up. many were there of you? There was, like, was a, eight of us. So it was a big enough group. It that was you, a big enough group. That mm, we're no one's there. taking a knee there. No, no one's taking a knee. There. <laughs> no. So we stood up and uh, and we started singing the national anthem. And um, I remember the guy I had made it. I had started talking to the guy next to me. Of course. Of course. Mm. And uh, we started the national anthem and he looked at me and was like, what? <laughs> and he took out his phone and started videotaping me singing mm. it. And so I'm sitting there singing it. I'm belting it and whatnot because it's a great national anthem. And uh, next thing you know, we're on the Jumbotron. And they had stopped the music for the people to sing. Yeah. And, you know, we're still just belting. I mean, we know all the words. We're just going. And people started to turn around and look at us. And just like we were on the Jumbotron and everyone was, I mean, I was just like, holy cow. Mm -hmm. And everyone was just looking at us. And then, you know, it ends. We sit back down and everyone was just like, how on Mm -hmm. earth do you know that song? Mm -hmm. And And why do you know it? Why do you know it? Yeah, they were like, what? I mean, you're wearing a suit and tie. It's pretty obvious, you know, who you are. And so... We're not Jehovah Witnesses. We, yeah, we're not Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, no. But we were just like, you know, we explained who we are. And they were like... So the guy next to me is like, let me get this straight. You came here 
just for the kicks of it and you learned our not you you love us that much that mm. you learned our national anthem i said mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah. exactly what i did i came here i had no ties to russia i frankly didn't even know anything about russia i just knew they were you know i just knew world war ii history that's about it that's, and that's it. it but now i was living it and i remember the guy sitting next to me was appalled and he was like that is the probably the strangest thing i've ever heard and mm-hmm. i was like yeah it is and i and i explained to him i was like but i i have come to love this country more than anything that mm-hmm. i'm I've learned your national anthem. The see, and the thing is that there's such, like I said, there's such a sense of pride in that because we know that you're not less of an American. No. But if everyone sort of did that, no matter what country they go to, uh, but I'm speaking, of course, of the United States, if you come here as a visitor or as an immigrant or as someone who's now making this your home, you you have to immerse yourself yeah. because not only will you then love the people, the people will love you. Yeah. And I know that's a very simplistic answer to all of the problems that we're having, but it just, it's such a small thing. And at the same time, it's enormous. It's enormous. Yeah. 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 Okay. So now we're on to what? Three? You, we've seized the day. We find a way and we're living outside the box, but inside the fence. So the next one is push the rock. Oh, I love this. Um, Me too. This is a good one. Push the rock, I think really applies to all of us today. Um, so the mission president got this from an unknown author. I actually have the poem okay or short story i really don't know what to call it. i think it's a poem okay um but so he he read this to us he made us read it and um it goes like this so again this is by an unknown author there once was a man who was asleep one night in his cabin and suddenly his room was filled with light and the savior appeared to him the lord told him that he had a work for him to do and showed him a large rock explaining that he was going to push against it with all his might the man did and for many days he toiled from sunset to sundown, his shoulders set squarely against the cold, massive surface of the rock, pushing with all his might. Each night the man returned to his cabin, sore and worn out, feeling his, wor- his whole day has been spent in vain. Seeing that the man showed signs of discouragement, Satan entered the picture, placing thoughts in the man's mind, saying, Why kill yourself over this? You're never going to move it. Or boy, that looks hard. You haven't even scratched the surface yet. Giving the man the impression that the task was impossible and that the man was an unworthy servant because he wasn't moving the massive stone. These these thoughts discouraged and disheartened the man, and he started to ease up in his efforts. Why kill yourself, he thought. I'll just put my time putting forth just the minimum of effort, and that will be good enough. And this he did, or at least planned on doing, until one day he decided to take his troubles to the Lord. Lord, he said... I have labored hard and long in your service, putting forth all my strength to do which you have asked me to do. Yet after all this time, I have never bud—I have never not even budged the rock even a half a millimeter. What is wrong? Why am I failing? To this, the Lord responded compassionately, My friend, when long ago I asked you to serve me and you accepted, I told you to push against the rock with all your strength and, with, and that you have done. But never once did I mention that I expected you to move it, at least not by yourself. Your task was to push, and that, and and now you have come to me. Your strength spent thinking, thinking that you have failed and ready to quit. But is that really so? Look at yourself. Your arms are strong and muscled. Your back sinewed and brown. Your hands are calloused with constant pressure, and your legs are have become massive and hard. Through opposition, you have grown much, and your ability now far surpasses that which you have you used to have. Yet still, you haven't succeeded to push the rock. And you come to me now with your with heavy heart 
and your strength spent, I, my friend, will move the rock. Your calling was to be obedient and to push and to exercise your faith and trust in my wisdom and that you have done. It goes on to a little bit more, but mm-hmm. the, the main part that I want to talk about is I, my friend, will move the rock. Mm-hmm. So our mission president used this all the time. He said, you know, you're going to have hard days. It's like pushing the rock. Yeah. And on my mission, many as with anyone else that's done anything ever hard, mm-hmm. they've had to, they've been called to push a rock, whether that's in work, you know, calling or whatever that may be. Everyone has a rock they need to push. And there's people kicking the rock. There's some people leave the rock alone. Some people even <laughs> walk spit, away, walk away from it. Some people spit on the rock. You know, they really, some people, you know, try to go around the rock or they try to, you know, bulldoze it down or whatever, but there's only one thing that you need to do and that's push it. And so a lot of days, you know, not being able to proselyte, feeling like your effort is spent, you feel like you really haven't gone anywhere. Um, those are the days that you really feel like you push the rock. But then when that rock moves just a little bit or when the Lord moves it just a little bit, oh, it's, I mean, that's worth more than anything in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's days where you, in life, where you're going to have just back to back to back to back things and every day you're pushing and you're like, well, that was a waste of my time. Mm-hmm. But then in the end you go, wait, okay, there was, there was use in that. I'm, I'm stronger now. I, you know, like the guy, he was like, this is useless. I'm not even pushing the rock. It's not going anywhere. But then the Lord's like, well, wait, look at your strength. You're spent. I mean, you're, that's the part I loved. You, your hands are cast. You're big. You're stronger than you were before. Same thing applies in life. You're going to have moments where you just feel like you haven't pushed the rock an inch. Maybe you haven't, but you're going to learn something from that experience. Right. And I think you're not going to see it right away. That's the hard part. That's a, that was what was hard for me to understand was like, okay, I'm not going to become huge like the rock after like, <laughs> you know, one day of pushing the rock. It's going to take me time and patience. So, Sometimes a lifetime. I think I loved it when you, you said through opposition, you have grown. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's, we've, we've had this conversation before, but suffering equals resilience and adaptability. Mm-hmm. That's the thing I say all the time that we've learned through our business and it's the same for this right yeah. you got to push the rock yeah doesn't matter how far how if not at all if not at all and, and some okay. days it really feels like you're not pushing anything like i i've had those days i've had those experiences yeah. when the rock is pushing you every single person <laughs> and if you're doing life the right way you're gonna have a problem pushing the rock okay. yeah and it's and with the rock you know it's so important that we realize that it's not it may not move and that's fine yeah like you you're not called like when the lord called him he didn't call him to move it you know all the way up the street Mm -hmm. he said just push yeah you know if you and that was something that i realized if you just do your part it'll work out yeah and that that's anything in life if you if you have a work job you know you got a job and you're asked to do something if you just do that one if you do that thing perfectly and you do it every day every day You'll get something out of it, whether yeah. that is, you know, a raise or, you know, a better opportunity somewhere else. But you gain that experience or whatnot. It, it's going to end up in your in your best interest in the end. Mm-hmm. We are usually our worst enemy yeah. when it comes to that, because yeah. and especially in our society, we measure success based on getting to a some to a place. Right. Right. It's a bigger house. It's a better car. It's straight A's. It's something, there's measurable things. And you're talking about something that is un- unseen, but felt. Mm-hmm. It's hard really, to quantify. It's hard to quantify. You know? yeah. And you can't have an expectation to measure that success. Mm-hmm. 
And the key is you're not doing it alone. That's no, you're true. Not. You never are. Right. Yeah. And, and that's hard for people to grasp. Oh, yeah, it's a it's, tough one. It's, it's like a lifetime well, of I think learning we as that. humans want things. You yeah, know, you immediately. Want, you want the gratification. I mean, you got Google now. I mean, with phones, we've become lazy. We want instant gratification, mm-hmm. you know. That's not how life works. It never has and it never will. Mm-hmm. You know, and with, with well, anything that comes in life, you got to work for it. Yeah. And being being a religious person, believing in a higher power, mm-hmm. whether you're a Christian, whatever your religion is, you have this idea that there's something bigger than you. Mm-hmm. There's something that is can help you. Mm-hmm. But I think as we don't give ourselves over to that, Right, like we we're gonna do it ourselves. We know more. Mm-hmm. We don't want to bother him. <laughs> right. Yeah. We know we we're gonna do it on our own. And yeah. so, what a life lesson. Mm-hmm. And and it's hard when you're young. Oh yeah. When you're older, you kind of have resolved yourself to a place of like, yeah, this is this is as good as it's gonna get. Well, I know? just but gotta when keep. He's pushing. like on a roll. Like yeah. I just got out of the MTC. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm gonna change the world. That's that's you a get huge. Slapped that's down. a huge lesson that a lot of people don't learn yeah their whole life right so cam what's your final element to success we've gone through four of them is there a fifth one yeah the fifth one uh is thrive and change thrive in change thrive in change okay um that's hard i already know i wouldn't like this one (laughs) (laughs) yeah this one's not fun i'm I'm just gonna tell you i can already tell i'm not great with change yeah i I think out of all of them i think this is one of the harder ones to do yeah um it, thrive and change is just simple. I mean, changes are going to happen in your life. Yeah, I don't like we, that. Yeah, well, like what happened with the coronavirus, <laughs> all our worlds just shattered and we were all yeah. found enjoyed. I mean, the coronavirus? A, yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What is that? Yeah. No, but it's, it, it, well, you're going to get a new job, you know, or you're going to move places that changes are going to happen. And mm-hmm. I think when you just roll with the punches, I mean, life's going to throw you curveballs. I mean, that, it's inevitable. You're gonna someone something is gonna be thrown at you and you're gonna be like, Okay, nothing ever goes according to plan. I mean, even anyone that says, Oh, my life goes according to plan, they're probably lying to you. They are completely they're lying completely to you. Lying. That doesn't happen. Yeah. And so on And if the, it does, you're not doing it right. Yeah. Something's wrong. Yeah, and, and it's easy to get comfortable in your little bubble. It's easy to sure. get, you know, pull a, you know, Bilbo think Baggins. Outside or, the box. Yeah, I think get you know, get like Bilbo Baggins and not wanting to leave your home <laughs> and then all of a sudden the last thing you're like, Okay, I'm going. Got to go. You know, it, you gotta it's easy to get comfortable, but you know, it you just you gotta prepare yourself for change. And so in a mission sense, you know, you could be comfortable serving with one companion that you just love and you guys are just, you know, joking around. Yeah, yeah. Six weeks later, love you guys it. are best friends forever, and then six weeks later you're with someone and you're like, I hate this guy. You're mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, like we don't get along at all and whatnot. And you know, but you gotta roll with those punches because, you know, Either you're gonna sit there and cry about it, or you're gonna do something about it. Mm-hmm. You're gonna sit. Nothing ever good came from sitting around and crying. No, as much really? as that's easy to do, and you know, sit there. And what about if you have a pint of ice cream? <laughs> I think if you allow yourself one night and then the next day change, okay. I'm pretty sure that would be okay. There okay, you go. Rom com and some Haagen <laughs> Dazs and a pint. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm in a pint of ice cream. Pint Whatever, ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you want to call it. But I just think with that point though, it's just like it's vital because if you don't, if you can't thrive, then life is just gonna absolutely suck if you just can't thrive it's gonna be the worst so how long have you been home so far i've been home for a little bit over a year so i got home in march 20th and these five elements have they helped you since you've been home do you think about them on a regular basis oh all the time yeah you know when things happen to me i'm thinking oh thriving change or oh carpe diem seize the day i gotta seize this 
I think your semester this at school has been nothing but a, a rock push for you this last semester. Is that correct? Yeah, I've, yeah, I've been through the ringer a few times this semester. It's a little rough. Yeah. So these, did you think about some of these elements of success, or there's stuff that kind of helps me go through my day? Is, and and I already know the answer to this, but I think it's worth asking. Are you glad you went on a mission? Absolutely. I I. What What is the reason you're glad? Um, or why do you think that's important to go? If somebody's thinking about it or if people are out there going, I would never go yeah, and do that. Know. Why would why would you and why did you? Um, I did it because you grow so much more in those two years or 18 months. I mean, more than... It's like boot camp. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like what it takes someone else that doesn't go on a mission, like five, ten years to do, you do in a short period of time. Um, Just learning the less, the, the language in nine weeks. Mm-hmm. I don't think people really truly understand. Well, I didn't really know the language. I mean, I knew I, I knew very, very, very <laughs> basic, and it wasn't until I was thrown into the ringer a few times, yelled at, and, you know, after sitting there dumbfounded, that's mm-hmm. when I was like, okay. We're learning. We're learning. Yeah. But um, I I did it because, you know, I, I, want, I genuinely wanted to help people, and because of that, I, I have found myself a different person 100% from the March 16th, 2018, <laughs> the day that I entered the, I mean, May 16th, sorry, May. May 16th, 2018, the day that I entered the MTC and said goodbye to my parents to March 20th, 2022, I mean, 2020, <laughs> I, I, I'm a completely different person because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, everything in my, you know, the day doesn't go by that I don't think about the people that I met, the people that I taught, the people that I, you know that I talked to it was absolutely just a life-changing experience and you know now the opportunity isn't for everyone to go to Russia I mean I I was very blessed to do that but I think that these ideas are something that you can apply in your home I mean just do it now and you'll become a changed person over over you know over a period of time because mm-hmm. um, it's easy to get comfortable but life's not easy Mm-mm. and before we let you go will you um, will you give us the shawarma approach in Russian and, and one other thing, just before, <laughs> so you don't forget, one of the things that we ask the, our guests to do for us, and we try to even do it with one another every time we meet, is um, what's your takeaway gift? Meaning, what's your tag? Something that you, like, it's almost like your life motto, your your mantra, something. I mean, these five things, these five elements have been really insightful. And, and any one of them could be a, right. a takeaway gift. Is there right. something additional? Is there, or is there something in there that is your one thing? Yeah, I, uh, I would say it's through the little things that great things are accomplished. You look at them. We had a saying called mini miracles, M&Ms. And, you know, it's those little things that build up and help to do something great. You know, building the church in Russia it just started or late to 1990, you know, late mm-hmm. 1990s, that's when it started. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the little things that are able to build something great. Nothing, mm-hmm. you know, look at anyone that's ever been successful. They didn't start right away doing something great. It was the little things. And so looking at those little mini miracles, little different things um, are going to help you step by step to become successful. Mm-hmm. And so that that's something that I realize it's through the little things that, that great things are accomplished. Great. I love it. All right, are you going to give us the shawarma approach in Russian? Just oh, act yeah. like I speak Russian and, okay, and, yeah, yeah. and ask me whatever whatever <laughs> your approach was. Um, 
Oh boy, I gotta remember it. Hold on. <laughs> Nobody will know. I know. I could. They might. I could literally what? just be like, "Hey, mom, you." You can say whatever you want. Today. You can say that. <laughs> whatever you want. Just or, speak or a little hey. Russian. I think people, even though they can't see the 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 white boy sitting in front of me, he's a white boy. I and you've been just sitting here speaking English. Speak right. some Russian. Um. So I, I'd go up to people and I'd be like, "Вы не знаете самое хорошее в Выборге?" And then they'd be like. Нет, я не знаю. Or they'd be like, да, я знаю, где находится. Are you seeing хорошая. actual words right now? Yeah. So I, 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 said, I would be like, yes or no, I know where it is, or no, I don't know. Um, sometimes they'd be like, get out of my face. And you're like, okay. Just got a day and be like, all right, cool. Have a good day. It's so funny when you switch into Russian because his voice kind of goes, as there's a little bit of mumbling, which is, I assume, how the people spoke. Yeah, they, they don't move their mouth a lot. So the language is weird because you don't, they're not a very like they're not you know, expressive hi how are you yeah you know, yeah yeah they're, they're very you know lower voice mm-hmm. mouth doesn't move a lot and that would you know that's what i practiced a lot when i was doing my language they're today. not silly yeah you, you know well they can be mm-hmm. if you get to know them really well they're fun to mess around but like kind of fun your mom and i will be somewhere like at a mcdonald's and we'll just be like chatting away giggling and, away yeah and no, giggling no. away people mm-hmm. in russia don't do that no and it, that was that was kind of cool to kind of learn is you gotta you gotta you gotta my i had a my russian that i served with he made me put a uh, a spoon. He maybe put a fork in the back of my mouth, like mm-hmm. like across my mouth. Yeah, I had to start speaking with it in my mouth, and he's like, "Don't move your lips." So I'd be like, uh, I'd, "I'd speak like that," and then that kind of helped me to, you know, when you night, you know, you kind of just keep it all together. Oh, like, you know, you just kind of when you night, you know, it's kind of. And, and the words kind of mumble off. Yeah. Which makes my father go insane because <laughs> he hates it when I mumble, and I mumbled as a teenager because I was a punk teenager. Sure. But then I get back and, you know, I had been speaking like that where I mumble off the words a few times because they kind of mumble. Mm-hmm. And I would do it in my English and he would absolutely go. He's like, I can't hear you. I need you to speak up. And I'd be like, sorry, sorry. So yeah. that was something to learn. But yeah, mumble and kind of. Kind of keep it. It's real low. It's real subtle. Lower, lower voice. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Well, Cameron, thank you so much for coming out and doing thank this you. with us. We, we appreciate we it. really appreciate it. And these five things, they're good. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. You've been listening to Two Average Girls. I'm Ann Police. And I'm Denise Cooper. We'll see you next time.